For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The wait is finally over. Football's back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. For me as a Ravens fan, this is a great opportunity to get in early on the Lamar Jackson train. For game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, everyone, welcome into this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt. He's Larry. You guys know the drill at this point, and uh, we, we got some serious NBA news to break down. It's a little, little more eventful than last week's show, I think. Um, we'll get into the playoffs here in a minute, but Larry, I just wanted to, to run through the all-NBA teams with you and, and sort of get your, your thought team by team. So uh, the first team was Luka Doncic, James Harden, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Anthony Davis. What do you think about those names? Do they miss anyone, or does that seem like the five? No, I think that's a pretty solid uh, first team there. Yeah, I saw a little bit about, well, how do you have Giannis, and, or not Giannis, how do you have AD and LeBron, both first team all, all NBA? But they're just so good. Like it would, I think it would be a stupid list without them, considering the year that both of them had. Yeah, it's, it's one of the deals. If you look at the entire you know, first, second, and third team, there's things that you would have to argue, you know, either way. But putting those two names, you know, on first team, I don't see how anyone can argue, you know, argue with that. I think AD is probably the defensive player of the year as well. So I don't think there's any problem with that. Yeah, agreed. And and that's kind of where I was thinking too, is like, all right, he, he didn't win that trophy. So like, let's, let's at least reward him with some kind of recognition. Uh, so second team was Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, and Nikola Jokic. Any any qualms there? Yeah, man. I um I, I think Siakam is you know is his regular season. You know, obviously before the break, I think he was he was doing some of the things that everyone expected him to do. But that for me is one of the guys that I would say, okay, let's move into third team. Let's move mm-hmm. Jason Tatum uh, up to second team, um, and then. You know, we'll wait until we talk about the third team and talk about where he fits in, you know, in that category. But I also think um, Chris Paul was 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 great. And I think his peers would, would, you know, give him second team as well. So I think probably the only one that I would have a little bit of issue with on that second team is, is Siakam. And a little bit of that has to do with, you know, how he performed in, in, in the bubble and in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, Siakam was kind of the one – I just can't get sort of the playoff stuff out of my head while thinking about it. Like, it's too hard for me to to split those two things up. And he just really he didn't shoot the ball particularly well in that Boston series. Like, that, I can't get that out of my mind. But 
I think the split there is maybe he was just a little more consistently at the same level for the whole year, whereas like the halfway point, Jason came on like super strong. And for me, that would have been enough to kind of flip-flop the two at the very least. The one I'd seen a couple times was Chris Paul and Russ, uh, Russell Westbrook being switched. So the third team, Ben Simmons, Russell Westbrook, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, and Rudy Gobert. For, for me, I think what Chris Paul did with that team is more impressive than the year Westbrook had, but I have seen some people kind of having issues with that. I think that is fair. You know, I think that is fair. I think when you get into those two guys, you're kind of splitting hairs. I know there's a a better accolade, obviously, being on the second team than the third team, but you're talking about the best 15 players in the league, and you can split them up however you want. Uh, But these, you know, the, the three teams should show, you know, the best 15 players in the league, and I think they were off by a couple. So the local uh, complaint is obviously Bradley Beal not making any of these lists and, and the you know, the rebuttal you hear to that as well. They didn't make the playoffs. And for the most part, I think actually all of these other guys made the playoffs. To me, if if that's a criteria you want to make, make that a criteria. But it, it's not written in the rule somewhere that you have to be in the playoffs to be one of the best 15 guys. And uh, I, I think if you took any one of those guys on the third team and swapped them with Bradley Beal, I'm not sure that the Wizards would have had a better record. So that's just sort of how I look at it. I mean, obviously I would have liked the Wizards to be a playoff team, but it just doesn't seem like a fair disqualifier to me. It's not like they were a 15-win team. Yeah, I I think that those things are out the window. You know, when you're talking about what a guy brings to the table, you know, night in and night out, regardless of what his team does, if he's winning the championship or if he's missing the playoffs, you know, you're talking about that guy's uh, presence, you know, within the game. And like I said, it's always, you know, you want to win these awards, you want your name to be posted. But I think if you go to each locker room and you talk about who's one of the top 15 players uh, in the league, minus getting cut, you know, minus not making a team, I think you're going to hear Brad's name, you know, 90% of the time, 95% of the time as to one of the top 15 players in the league, you know, last year or, or this year, rather. If you had to take a name off of that list, uh, whether it's Sim- Simmons, Westbrook, Butler, Tatum, Gobert, uh, who's the guy that doesn't make it for you? Or guys that you don't think maybe um, make it? I think that the two guys that, that I look at uh, would be uh, Siakam and, and Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And I think Ben Simmons is, is an amazing player. I think he brings just so much to the game. But I just don't think he's unlocked everything that we expect him to, to do. So, you know, sometimes I think we give, give positions and give awards on things that we know that player can do as opposed to seeing them done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those two players, Siakam and, and Ben Simmons, I, I completely a- agree with the space of what you know, they should be capable of doing. But we're talking about in the locker room, against our peers, talking about the game, talking about who brings – you know, that level of fear uh, to the basketball game, you might leave those two guys out. Gobert was the guy for me. Um, just, you know, there, there are just certain matchups where, like, you can't really keep him on the floor for Utah. Like, to me, it's hard for you to be one of the 15 best guys in the league if there are situations where, like, your team really has to, like, scheme to make up for, for you. And he, he does so many great things. I, I'm not I'm not really hating on him as a player. It's just... Uh, you know, there's, there's just those situations. And, and especially when you think back to, again, it's a regular season award, but you, you see the playoff matchups against Houston the last couple of years. And like, 
it just it's tough to do for me to to leave someone like Brad off that that put up the numbers he put up and then have Rudy there. Like if you swap those two teams, are the Wizards better if they'd had Gobert this year than Beal? I don't think so. Which is how I would look at it at least. Sure. There are some years where I really look at this and I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know who voted on this, but for the most part, I think it's a reasonable list. All those guys are top 20 guys at the very least, yeah. I would think. Yeah, I think anytime you can get within that, you know, that top 20, top 25, you're going to split. Some funny things are going to come in as far as to who people vote for and why. But, you know, just the recognition of, you know, 25. And that's how I looked at it when I played. Really, it was 20, but now guys are so good now that you have to expand that. Sure. But when I looked at it, I was looking at who's the top 20 guys in the league and who am I chasing? Uh, and now I think if you're talked about in that top 25 space, then you're, 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 you're doing something. I want to say it was Sports Illustrated, but they used to do like a player poll of like this kind of thing for just strictly the players. Um, and I don't know if they did like the full three teams, but it was like who were the top 10 guys in the league or whatever. I, I would be curious to know what that split was this year and see how close the you know, the player representation is versus sort of the media representation because, you know, there's narratives and certain guys, you know, hate Russell Westbrook because he's not analytics friendly or, you know, love Ben Simmons because he plays defense and don't care that he doesn't shoot. So I would I would love to know what that's like. And, and we talked about this before, but there's a lot of money on the line for a lot of these guys about making these teams. And, and I think your peers should definitely have some role in in deciding that kind of thing if you're going to tie those contracts to it. Yeah, and, and I think that there there will be honesty among your peers if we understood the, the you know the landscape of what these things you know really mean. So you're not just voting for your teammate or voting for your buddy. You're actually you know everyone you know factors they're, they're, everyone's decision factors into you know you know how much money we make or, or what sort of uh, platform it turns out to be as opposed to a media driven platform if players have that understanding I think that you know you'll get some 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 real votes I know sometimes you put a player vote out and you know they'll they'll vote for Barney you know <laughs> just just because but if we understand what's at stake I think that that would be something good for the players to to take some some control over I'm not sure I would trust like the front office guys to do it because if you're the Wizards, like you candidly probably don't want Brad Beal to make that team. Like just the idea of a second Supermax guy uh, isn't probably particularly exciting to them. So I think that would be the, maybe it's a 50-50 vote, player, media, something like that. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on here. Why don't we just get into the the real news around the NBA this week? The Los Angeles Clippers uh, go down against the the Denver Nuggets in kind of, it's not totally surprising to me that they lost. The way they lost that last game, uh, I didn't expect. Larry, what happened there? Did they run out of gas? Did they? I mean, is there something more to that? I've, I've just never seen a team sort of like not give up, but just look beaten in a game they were winning. It was just very weird. No, it, it was very weird. Obviously, you have to have one of the teams that's been talked about all year. Uh, you put yourself in a great position. Uh, to win one basketball game, whether it's game, whether it makes it to game seven or not, just you have to win one basketball game. And for those guys not to come through, it was very, it was very confusing. And I was just talking to, you know, to my buddies, just like those guys, they were up three, one, uh, had a game seven. They were getting, you know, beaten. There wasn't, there wasn't an ejection. It wasn't a brawl. There wasn't a confrontation. There wasn't anything that said, 
we're not going out without a fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, two minutes you know, before the game was over, they're waving a white flag. They're, you know, they're subbing the guys out that's supposed to make a difference. So for me, it was very confusing on, is there something going on in the locker room? Was there beef between the players? And what was really going on, you know, behind the scenes? And maybe we'll find out, you know, in the next few weeks, because usually we do. Uh, but that was very confusing on how, you know, that series ended. You know, not obviously you can lose a game, but just to to not, you know, have any sort of real resistance, I thought was was very confusing. Yeah, you you nailed my thought there. Like uh, normally when you see a team fizzle out like that, it's, hey, we all hated the coach or two star players didn't like each other anymore. And it is just sort of run its course. Like I hadn't heard any of that. I, I mean, it maybe they've just got a tight locker room, but but normally that stuff leaks out in some form, like, hey, Kawhi and Doc don't get along or, or something like that. Or, or the coach gets fired, you know, a day or two later after the playoffs. But I haven't heard any of those things. No one's come out and said, Kawhi looked like maybe he was hurt. I, I don't know. But for a bunch of guys that, you know, Marcus Morris did the tough guy thing, you know, in the first round and, and Pat Beverly is, is, you know, known for toughness. And Paul George is like waving Dame, Will- Dame Lillard away during the seeding games when he missed free throws. I just thought that was the total opposite of the image they've tried all year to kind of present. Yeah, I think it was different. And the attention was different. And even though, you know, obviously you're in the, you're in the playoffs and you're getting down, uh, you know, to the meat of everything, there's, a, you know, there's a lot of people at home, you know, watching you play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this scenario is is being in the bubble and just having all of those eyes on you. I, I, there's not fans there. But the amount of, you know, just the amount of pressure, I think, got to those guys on, on what, would happen if they didn't succeed, if they didn't win. And I think that that was creeping into their minds as they played those games, because I can see body language and I can tell, you know, when an offensive player is, is discouraged that they didn't get the swing pass, yeah. if a guy takes a bad shot, um, if a guy's just trying to get his rhythm and he's going to shoot any shot that he gets, as opposed to, you know, moving the basketball and, and doing something that's productive for the team. So I can watch the basketball and pick up on all of that. And I saw, you know, those things going on as far as, you know, the body language. But it's like, why? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's the confusing part. It's like, you know, you guys were up 16, you're up 19. You know, you get to a game seven. That's been trending. So if you get up by 16 or 19 and you should know, you know, what's coming, you should know that pressure. And it was really confusing that they weren't able to, you know, just really adapt to – to the focus that that Denver brought once they got down was really it's confusing. I mean, that's the, the key word for me. It's like, it's, it, it's confusing. I, I can't remember a situation like this. Like I, I've been trying to think of a, a team that you've definitely seen teams where it's just like, all right, we, we we're thrown in the towel, but not typically when they're favored and have one of the best couple guys in the league. And if maybe if they'd have been super shorthanded or something, it, it would be different, but, I also didn't really understand a lot of the game plan. And this is what I wanted to talk to you about. Like if you thought some of this stuff too, but they couldn't guard Murray for a while, but they kept leaving Lou Williams out there and they couldn't guard Jokic for a while, but they kept leaving Harrell out there. And it just like scoring wasn't their problem for a lot of that game, but stopping those two guys was, and they just, the personnel seemed weird. And then they started like, throwing everybody at Murray as soon as he got across half court, but 
like then that didn't work and Jokic ate him up and they just it seemed like they were really slow to kind of counter things I I, I was very surprised by that because I, I from an amateur watcher I always think Doc is reasonably good at that stuff well I think they had a lot of bodies and a lot of guys that can actually play I mean that was their you know one of the things that we look to the Clippers as, as their strength is the, the number of bodies and number of quality bodies that they could put out there on the court but what I saw is that those quality guys that were producing, you know, in the regular season and, and not, I wouldn't even say into, into the bubble because they didn't, it was completely different. Mm-hmm. So those guys that were producing before the stoppage, Doc didn't get that same production out of those guys, yet the rotation was still the same. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, when you have a Lou out there, you have Montrez out there that, you know, they're going to, they're playing their normal minutes, but they're not productive. That's when you have to, limit your rotation as tough as that may be you know as far as with the media or at least for one game right at least for one game to try to limit your rotation uh but when you're not getting the things that you expect out of your guys that are supposed to play those minutes it becomes very tough because you're not getting you don't know what you're going to get from paul george right Mm -hmm. he's going to have those games where he's, he's great and he's amazing but then if he starts to turn in the you know in the wrong direction you don't know what's going to happen. So, but you still have to play a Paul George. Yeah. And I think it's the same with all those guys. They never really got anything quality out of Lou. Uh, those guys were coming in and out of the, you know, in and out of the bubble situation. And those guys that he relied on all year with that wide rotation, those guys just didn't produce. So I would look at, a lot of times you obviously look at the schemes and the strategy of the coach and what the coach is actually doing. Mm-hmm. In this situation, I'm really going to look at the players because I think that the schemes were pretty good. I mean, body in front of the man, in front of the basket. I mean, those are, you know, the basic concepts, but I don't think that guys were able to execute what they talked about, sustain that, you know, what they talked about in the huddle and, and during, uh, you know, during timeouts. I was thinking that the whole time I'm watching this. I'm like, I really want to know what, what Larry thinks about this one. Cause it's just, Marcus Morris is a guy that's never shy about shooting the ball typically. And there was like a five minute stretch where he hot potatoed every time he touched it. And uh, maybe that was game six, but for a while it was just sort of like guys that you don't expect to shy away from the moment were, I don't know. Do you think that team looks mostly the same next year or are we in for sort of a big shakeup this off season? I would say they're mostly the same. You know, I, I think that it's, it has somewhat to do with, you know, with chemistry and knowing, knowing each other, you know, Kawhi and Paul, they put a thing together to, to, to come together and to be something great. So I, I would expect them to have, you know, more of a chemistry uh, than they did and than what they talked about. But I do think that they should just run it back. Uh, give those guys another chance, another full chance. You, you had things that came up that would not, not normally, you know, be an issue or things to deal with, um, you know, for, for a professional team that's actually going out to, to win a championship. You had things that are, um, just happened that were out of their control. Uh, hopefully, you know, you'll have a, a clean slate next year, but I think that that's an opportunity for these guys to come back, redeem themselves. They're all quality players that hopefully, you know, they can learn each other a little bit better and have a strategy going into the, you know, into the playoffs because the playoff is, is, is it's just different. I mean, it's just a different brand of basketball. It's a different thought process. There's different keys that you look into. Um, so if those guys aren't all on the same page, you get a scattered situation and then you have the ability to, you know, to fall short to a, a quality team. I think maybe with the exception of Kawhi, a lot of those guys are sort of used to being like the underdog too. And 
now all of a sudden it's uh it's just a different story when like you're the favorite and you know we have Paul George talking about like the pressure of the bubble and the haters getting to him and I got to imagine that there's probably some amount of bubble fatigue that plays into that too and uh yeah like I'm totally with you I expect maybe some fringe moves there to kind of tweak the tweak the surrounding guys but probably nothing earth shattering yeah we're on the outside looking in but man I tell you I'd be ready to go home yeah, like, right. I know, I know. That we're here. Like I know that we're here battling. I know that everybody is at home watching and you, you using it for your entertainment. And sure. you know, you want us to be at this high level every time we step out on the court. But I want to go home. Like I want to decompress from this situation. I want to see my family. I want to see. You know, I want to feel that unconditional love. Where if I score thirty or if I score zero, like it resets my day. So it re-energizes me. So I can go out and compete with a fresh mindset. Like. I understand what these guys are going through and there's a job at hand and we have to understand it obviously, but it's our job to have conversations and to talk about what could have been different. But for me personally, if, if I'm in those guys shoes, man, I'm like, yeah, I want to win a championship, but I am ready to go 70 days, you know, just being, you're not even abroad. Like you're in the, yeah. you're in the States and you're like, can't see anything that you're, you know, that you use to bring you back to, to reality. I don't want to go out, you know, especially being up three to one, but Hey man, I'm ready to go home. I'll, I'll see you guys in, in January, December, whenever they <laughs> get back going. Yeah. I would think this one definitely stings a lot less than, than in the typical year. And, and, you know, they did the whole, well, this was never about winning a championship. This was a building year, which is kind of weak in my personal opinion, but you know, for me, working a nine to five job at the end of a shitty work day, I look forward to going home and just like forgetting I'm at that job when you're locked on site of where you're working. You know, it's there's never a separation from a bad, bad day at the office. So I, I think what you just said makes a ton of sense. And I can't blame them either. Just yeah. just an actual vacation would be nice after that, probably. For sure. And from day one, it's all about the championship from, from right. day one, whether it's the day of first day of training camp or it's the first day of, of a restart or it's the first day of placement seating games or the first day of, of playoffs. It's always about the championship. It's always about the championship. So I think that their, their corporate message, you know, obviously that they got from doc, everyone stuck to that, mm-hmm. that corporate message of, of chemistry and, 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 and all of those, you know, those little comments to kind of, you know, pacify, you know, the asker. But it, it is always, you know, Paul George is always about the championship. Yeah, why else team up with, you know, two of the 10, 15 best players in the league with some of the best role players in the league if, if that's not the goal? I just can't imagine, you know, like your Cleveland team after being like, well, you know, we, we weren't really into it this year anyway, you know, like uh, we were working on chemistry. I mean, some of that's true, I'm sure, that it does take time, but I don't know, that was weak. Exactly. Talking about the other team for a minute, though, this is sort of the opposite of what I was a little worried about with our Lakers pick the other week. But as good as Murray and Jokic are, they've got enough sort of role players there that that are doing other things and sort of picking up a little bit of slack. You know, there was a game where Jeremy Grant was really good. Paul Millsap had one pretty pretty <laughs> solid game, he, and he at least rebounded and defended and gave him a spark. And Gary Harris has sort of really regressed as an offensive player, but He's still a pest defensively. Like, I actually think they're a reasonably tough matchup for the Lakers. Do, do you think they've got a shot to pull that out? I think they have a shot. I think they have a shot, one, with, with everything that, that's going on 
with the elimination of home court uh, mm-hmm. and just playing, you know, that basketball game. There's no travel. Um, so it's completely different than any other situation, completely different than a fresh new team walking into an arena that's laced with LeBron James' face and AD's face all over the city and all over the arena. It's a different perspective now. Um, everyone is here to, to win a championship and everybody is, is, is on that that same even you know, even playing field, we're playing in a, in a neutral site. So I would give them, completely give them a chance. Um, and that's, the, that's also the beauty of, of, you know, these young players and just basketball players in general, working on their game and becoming, you know, very skilled basketball players and uh, watching those guys uh, that, that come before them. Because on any team, you're just thinking, you know, in the, in the 90s and the early 2000s, I mean, obviously you would have, you know, your, your top six or seven I mean, now these teams are going, you know, eight, nine, yeah. you know, deep. And that is just because there's just a lot of talent and these guys have been working on their game that someone that you would may think is a no name is able to step up, you know, and, and impact the game because they've been working, not because they're not a quality player and they don't get that shine. It's just because there's so many guys that that's in the fold now that you can, you know, that, that you can talk about. So I just think it's a, a nature of just so many guys that can play basketball and we're seeing it now at the highest level. I mean, a lot of these guys are just so skilled. You know, I, I enjoy watching it. You know, I enjoy watching a 16 guy, you know, shoot the three, excuse me, shoot the three, you know, cut in off the back door layup, you know, and then also catch the ball and make a swing pass to open guy in a three. Like I enjoy that. And it's the number of these guys on every team. So playoffs, you know, here we are. And just help me win an argument because I had this debate with a friend recently that for me as a basketball fan, this is the deepest I think I've ever seen the league be like to, to your point, like the 12th guy on some of these teams, I think would have been the sixth or seventh best guy on, you know, some of the like historically great teams. Just not saying that the top guys there weren't as good, but you know, basketball is a global game. Everybody's more professional about it and just, the sample size is a little bigger now that there's bigger money involved. I think people, some people take it more seriously too. And anyway, I think that makes a whole lot of sense. And do you buy that, you know, with the exception of the Lakers, most of these teams that are in the sort of final four here are younger teams overall, like they have some veterans, but do you think this every other day favors a younger team who can bounce back quicker? I think so, depending on how they're placed and and what their role is within the team. Mm -hmm. Um, If they can bring energy you know, on the offensive end with their movement, they can bring energy on the defensive end with their switching uh, and, and rebounding. I think that that is definitely an advantage for, for the younger guys. Uh, it's, it's a mental task on, on all the guys, young and old, uh, just to get up and to compete at a high level and then decompress and then jump right in, back into it uh, and get that, that high level back again. So I think that, you know, having young guys with things that they don't know, right, if, if they haven't been in – other playoff situations or, or stressful situations, then they're just kind of going uh, with the flow and they're kind of doing as they're told. So if you have young guys that are not necessarily playing a huge role, if they're just doing uh, the practice squad sort of deal or mm-hmm. getting minutes here or there, I don't think that that's going to skew things either way. But if you have a guy, a young guy that's, that's, you know, having an impact, you know, I mean, we've been young before, so you know, you can go out and not stretch and play every other day, play every day if you really needed to. But it just really depends on the role of, of that young of that young player, you know, and how he could 
bring energy to his team. I had a couple of beers last night and I'm hurting today, Larry. You know, I'm feeling older, older by the day. So I, I don't know how people like LeBron still do it. Uh, just shifting gears a little bit that, that other series, or, you know, the other, first game of the other series, Boston against Miami. Uh, you know, Miami pulls out like a really tight, exciting uh, game, which again, I, I didn't expect them to, to be honest. I, I thought Boston was going to win that game going into it. Uh, Magic Johnson said that Bam Adebayo's block on Jason Tatum was the best defensive play he's ever seen in the playoffs. Is that hyperbole? I mean, is that is that too too dramatic, or, or or do you buy it? I think it's one of the best. You know, I think it's one of the best, and we all live in the moment, and everything that we see right at that moment is is, sure. is the best ever. I think we all you know fall victim to that, but I think it it definitely goes the best ever because of what was at stake. Mm-hmm. You know, and really just how it happened. It was kind of like a bang bang sort of thing, and it was really unexpected, uh, especially the way Jason's been playing. You know, you expect him to to convert, either get fouled, shoot two free throws, or, you know, get an and one. Um, and just what, you know, just what's at stake of, of having game one and everything that's going on with the, the pandemic and how games are played, just to, to make an impact like that on game one to give yourself, a, you know, yourself and your team a, a 1-0 advantage, um, I, I think it was special. The ones I was trying to think of were like, you know, the LeBron chase down block, you know, or Tayshawn against Reggie Miller. Like they had maybe slightly bigger stakes given where they happened in the series, but just in a vacuum, like Tatum's a physical, athletic, strong kid. Being willing to put your arm in harm's way like that is a is a pretty ballsy move on, on Autobio's part. I, I don't know that I'd be willing to to get in the way of that freight train. And just the expectations too, right? I mean, we expected to, you know, to have, you know, Boston compete with Toronto uh, to, you know, to move forward. But I don't think everyone had, you know, Miami being, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals. So just that piece is a little bit extra of, you know, hey, we belong and we're here uh, sort of statement. Yeah, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit that I just thought they had too many young, inexperienced guys and it would take them another year. So I, I've been very surprised. I'm going to still take Boston in this series, but uh, after what you saw in game one, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to take Boston. You know, I'm going to take Boston. I think it'll be a battle. I think that, you know, a number of these games are going to come down to those sort of scenarios where you're, you know, you're four or five points, you know, down or up, you know, with a minute to go. I think that those teams compete like that. I think they have pride. Uh, I think they're dealing with two, you know, great coaching staffs that have the strategy and have the, you know, their their thumb, their finger on the, the makeup of their team. Um, so I don't see that those – I don't see any blowouts happening. So I, I see that those teams will, will, will definitely play uh, competitive basketball. Seven seven series – you know, seven games hopefully, um, and Boston comes out on top. I don't think the NBA would be mad at a Lakers-Celtics final either, um, Just just with all the history and legacy there too. Uh, all right, so talking a little bit of defense there, just want to transition. Also, uh, the all all first team all defense came out as a former member of that list. The what, what do you think about Giannis, AD, Simmons, Gobert, and Marcus Smart? Uh, is, is that is that the five guys, or somebody missing from that? Uh, I mean, that's there's, there's always going to be someone missing, uh, but that's a that's a good five. You know, that's a good five. Just. You know, I, I love what Marcus uh, brings to the table. Um, and obviously, I would want to have him as a teammate and not compete against him. Uh, but I just want to eliminate the extra 
attention to the calls, right? Mm-hmm. We call it flopping. Yeah. If we can just elip- you know, just it. tone that down because it, from a guy that played the game and a guy that's gotten technicals because the game is, you know, you thought that it should have been officiated one way, sure. it's tough to watch a guy bait a referee into a call when they know, when that, when that player knows how offensive-oriented the game is, you know, to take things away, to do certain things that, that are extra, that's the only knock that I have on a Marcus that I would want to obviously be on his team versus, you know, playing against him. Sure. Uh, but every, you know, everyone on, the, on the, those five guys definitely are, are quality guys. It's hard to watch the offensive side of what you just talked about too. The like, I'm going to like wildly throw myself into the defender with no, like no intention to actually really try to shoot that way. I mean, I feel like that was less of a thing when you guys played and, and it sort of happened more over the last couple of years, but does that bother you to watch too? Like just that wild uh, jump forward thing? Yeah. That, that's where the old man kicks in. Uh, that's, that's, that's where the old man kicks in. And, you know, obviously how we played the game, it was physical. Uh, there was contact. But there was just a lot of issues that you would get into with the referees on, you know, back in the day that is complete. It, it blows my mind that the game is officiated the way that it is now. Obviously, I understand, you know, the offensive presence and, you know, what's needed to keep viewers and everyone engaged. But I think the players have to come to some sort of agreement that things won't be so vicious, you know, it won't be so obvious that they're out there forcing the referees to make calls that they know shouldn't be made. But at the same time, there's a strategy to drawing a foul, to putting yourself in the penalty um, that's understood by, you know, a professional player. But then I also can see that there's an understanding between players that some of these guys are going too far as, as mm-hmm. to using that strategy to their team's advantage. And that's a political way to put it. Yeah. But I think that that's sort of the mindset that, that needs to happen. And it needs to happen between the players because you don't want to eliminate that strategy of, of picking up fouls and putting, you know, an extra foul on a guy, you know, that's a main player. Um, so you don't want to eliminate those strategies, but, I think we're going, you know, too far as far as the, the the measures that players go to to bring attention on on, on calls that that need to be made. Yeah, there's a difference between like I'm I'm smart enough to know the ins and outs of the rules and to try to like exploit them to my benefit, but not cheapening the game by sort of like you know taking too much advantage, like like you said. Um, I'd asked you like maybe in one of our first episodes which kind of current player. Um, most reminds you of you and one of the names um i hadn't really thought about until recently but the name i keep seeing is is the guy the players feel was sort of the slight from the the all defense list is drew holiday i mean just sort of the you know you guys could both shoot distribute like you would guard one through three or even bigger sometimes like very like active smart defender but maybe not the most athletic guy but an athletic guy one, does that comp seem at all fair to you? And two, what do you think about the, that sort of player reaction that Drew was the snub? No, I think that that's a fair comparison. You know, I, I've pulled from, from many players to, you know, to make the player that, that I wanted to be. So, you know, and that's how the game goes. I mean, we watch guys, you, same body types and same body styles, and there's no, 
you know, I, I don't feel any sort of way with, with having that comparison uh, with Drew. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a good player. I mean, and he's a player that's, that's quality, um, hasn't had the, the real ability to win basketball games and, and obviously push his name in a higher light, which I think that a number of guys, you know, fall into that category, but he's a guy, man, that's going to compete on both ends of the court. And for me, you know, even watching him play basketball is that you know that he has, you know, a good foundation. He has a good character. He has a good thing about himself that he's not going to be disrespected. He's not going to disrespect anyone. He's going to go about his business. Uh, he's going to compete and he's going to play hard. Um, so those things I, I love about him uh, that I would definitely compare uh, to myself. And I would just like for that guy to get a chance to to get into a situation where he has the ability to to compete for something. And I think that that takes him to that next plateau of, of, of player, which right now, man, like you said, you go into those locker rooms and you talk about Drew, it, I mean, he's going to get, you know, the accolades that he deserves within his peers, right? I mean, and that just has to make it to the outside space. And the only way that that really makes it to the outside space, if you play in meaningful games, you play in on TV, you got, you know, one of the, the hottest names, you know, in the last 10 years, you know, on your team now. So that may elevate his profile a little bit, but that's a good player, right? I mean, that's a good player that deserves to be uh, in a winning situation. And once you win it, I mean, we always say those winning, it, it take care of itself. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you just have to wait, you know, wait your turn to, to be in that position. I got to think that's what it is. It's just the lack of like national TV games and, you know, they had a bunch, but then Zion got hurt and they sort of got pulled from some or people kind of didn't watch once, it, you know, they weren't as competitive. But yeah, you watch that team, you're like, holy shit, this guy, this guy literally will guard anyone on the court. And, and that's such a luxury for, for a team to have. I mentioned uh, a couple of players that said that I was listening to the JJ Reddick podcast with Kevin Durant. And, and that's one of the names that came up. Obviously, that's JJ's teammate. But Kevin Durant mentioned that as, a, as Drew as a guy that he thought was tough to guard, but said the per- toughest person who ever guarded him was Tony Allen. I'm sure Tony guarded you at some point uh, or vice versa. Um, you know, it, do you buy that as being one of those guys, like one of the all-time tough defenders? Um, I, I've always, you know, TA's name is, is always mentioned and I don't think we've really had any real battles, mm-hmm. um, you know, in my time, you know, in, in the league. And I'm not sure why I haven't spent any time, you know, really looking into it, but I've always heard, uh, TA's name uh, in every defensive conversation. I mean, you, they do the clips and the promos of him yeah. doing, you know, first team, you know, first team, um, so I'm not really aware, you know, I've, I've watched, you know, you know, Tony play against these guys. And I know this was a time when you could be physical mm-hmm. uh, in a time where, uh, you know, you can get into the trenches and scrap. And that made a lot of guys to be a tough challenge. Uh, just now there's a different sort of thought process or, or, or how the game is called. It's interesting to see how those skills, you know, transfer those stronger guys, you know, Ron Ortiz for me was, was one of the, the, the guys that I hated to to try to drive past or, you know, get around because his arms were so long, his hands were so big, and he was so strong that he was one of the, the guys, you know, one of my defensive, you know, matchups that I would say, you know, he was, was a tough guy uh, to have guarding you. But T.A. is definitely a name that that I've heard, you know, many, many times on, on a lot of good offensive players' lists. So I got to give his credit where it's due. 
And Ron was a guy you knew for a long time, even prior to being in the league too, right? I got to imagine that plays into it when somebody knows your tendencies longer and stuff like that. Yeah, we were a long way back, man, to, to youth basketball. So, you know, that name sticks with me. And whenever you talk about defense, it's like, Ron. It's like, met Ron. Like, Ron always pops into mind when we talk about who are the toughest because he didn't back down. He didn't care. He didn't care who you were. You know, he was a little off. And, you know, those guys that are a little off and, and have a lot of skill, like, they're, they're tough. And, he, and Ron was definitely one of those tough guys. Anytime you see a guy get an elbow and his lips bloodied and he's clapping in your face after and just like, you know, it's like you said, he's different. Uh, all right. Speaking of defense, uh, defensive player of the year, Giannis Antetokounmpo's Bucks teams fell a little early. And this is the other thing Kevin Durant was talking about that I thought was, was interesting on the defensive front is the, the suggestion was that the Bucks struggle because they only really play one defensive style and the way the NBA is played today, you almost have to be able to throw multiple looks at teams, sort of like what the Raptors do so well. Uh, do you buy that that's sort of what one of their bigger struggles was just the lack of, uh, I don't know, di- diversity in their offense or defenses? No, I, no, I think it was, you know, the, I mean, their offensive struggles, not necessarily their defensive struggles. I think that how they were lined up and just their thought process of, you know, regular season versus playoffs, like we have to have enough experience to know that we, we're not going to rebound and run you know, from, from basket to basket in the playoffs. I mean, there's, there's proof there. And I think that that's how they're set up. And I think that they never made an adjustment until their best player was, was hurt and he couldn't affect the game in either way. So I wouldn't say that it was anything. It, it's tough to play defense now, right? Mm-hmm. It's tough to play defense now. If, if you're seeing teams give energy and effort, then they're probably one of the best teams you know, in the league as far as, the, you know, in the defensive category. So it's, it's tough to, to stop these offensive guys. It's, it's tough. Everybody's switching. There's a mismatch, and, you know, on, on every turn, whether it's a post, whether it's a guy, a big guy that's out in space. So I wouldn't necessarily point the finger at the defensive end, a defensive strategy uh, for the Bucks, but I would say that their offensive strategy and their thought process was – it wasn't right. And, and I mean, it, it showed uh, through those games, but it, it wasn't right. It was kind of like you know, the same deal that happened, you know, last year is that you're not going to play the same style yeah, in, the, in the playoffs. You just, you just can't, it, it, it's, it's no, you know, you got a wall in the regular season. We're just kind of letting you go through so we can take it out and go. Mm-hmm. But in the playoffs, it's, it's, it's just different. And that's where I would point my finger to is, is their offensive strategy, you know, needs some, needs some work. Speaking of another team that needs uh, maybe a little diversity of on their offensive strategy, uh, Mike D'Antoni decided not to return to the Rockets, and uh, James Harden said, you know, he kind of hopes they don't blow things up there and that they're one piece away. Do you, do you buy that? And if so, what's the one piece? Uh, that that's questionable to me. But yeah, we don't we don't know the one piece. Right. Uh, we, we don't we don't understand what the one piece is. Uh, and I watched those last two games. Uh, definitely. Um, was a game six. I think just James was, he wasn't interested in, mm-hmm. in playing the basketball game. And that usually happens because there's something that was said in the huddle or there was something, you know, there's something else going on. He wasn't interested in, in you know, being as, as effective as, as he needed to be. And I'm more concerned with what's the perfect James teammate. What's, you know, what's the teammate that, that James is going to need um to be successful, whether that's to give them confidence to handle the ball and he now goes to 
back screens and make some, making some cuts or, you know, is there, is there a player that's going to demand or command, you know, something from James that CP and Russ did not command from him? Because I think that that's what they're going to have to look at is, is, is who James is as a player and how well he's able to play off of other players as opposed to who can come and play with James. Um, and that, that's going to be a tough question because James is so great on the offensive end and he's done so, so many great things as far as scoring the basketball. And James also plays on the other side of the ball. He plays defense. It's just a, 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 fact, a fact of who does James like enough that he can play with and he could thrive with. And I'm not sure it's Westbrook, and I'm definitely, you know, can't understand why it wasn't CP, but I'm not sure that, it, that it's Westbrook either. You know, I, I kind of like the idea of, like, pivoting and, and going small for a while and trying something different and just leaning into the guys you had. But they keep trying to pair him up with another guard, and I always feel like he's most – maybe the last uh, – point guard's not the right word, but when he is the initiator of the offense – I'd love to see him play off like a skilled big, you know, where they could run some pick and roll and that's not really the system that they've had, but, uh, and obviously there aren't a ton of these guys in the league, but, but a, um, a Jokic or an AD or somebody like that, where, where you like, you have to guard both of them and the way Murray and Jokic can kind of do that two man game. I think Harden be unguardable with someone like that. Yeah, I think Clint was a, was a good guy. I mean, Clint was a big guy that was he was learning. I mean, he was coming into his own. Uh, he was effective until they started holding, you know, the the two corner guys, you know, holding those guys. But if, if he can set a screen and there's additional movement behind him, then I think he was able to get to the rim and James was able to find, you know, not only the corner guy but the throwback guy as well. So it it is about the strategy on on, on what that coach is is trying to accomplish. And for James, I think he's going to be a dominant ball handler. And I think you're completely right with a skill big. And that skill big is, is more of a skill power forward mm-hmm. than I would say maybe a, a, a big guy that's going to really demand that ball, you know, in the paint or that's going to roll to the paint every time. I think if you have a, a power forward with some size that you can pick and pop and roll them some, then I think you have your you have your match. I remember early in that sort of Rockets tenure that they had made a move to try to get Chris Bosh. Like somebody like that, you know, I thought would have been perfect that doesn't need a ton of touches, is unselfish, but can stretch the floor. Like if they could find someone like that, I think that's that's the way to go. Although I don't know what flexibility they have. You know, the, the Russ contract is, is pretty tough. Uh, okay, uh, Larry, I think that was kind of the extent of what I had for you uh, in, in terms of just burning playoff questions I had to get off my chest. Um, yeah. so, so thanks for, for educating me a little bit there. Uh, anything else you want to mention or, or, or you're particularly excited to see um, over the next couple of days? We've, we've said it you know, every week is that bubble playoff basketball has been great. The close games that we're having, you know, we expect to have those close games. Uh, we're just looking for tendencies now. We're looking for who's ready to let go of the rope, right? I mean, like we said, it's been 60, 70 days for a number of these these teams. They're now at the, at the home stretch of rolling into their 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 conference finals, and you know now it's time to see who is really ready to commit. You know, another four weeks to to the program and see how it goes. Hopefully having, you know, families allowed to be there and stuff like that helps those guys a little bit mentally. 
Uh, all right. Before we close out, we have just recently kicked off the the idea of uh, you know an overtime segment here, kind of a five minutes to end the show. So announcing our first winner, it's Fitz Cantrell. Fitz, so I will be reaching out to you after this podcast goes live uh, Thursday evening, and we'll figure out how to how to coordinate to get you on next week. So you know, start start thinking of some questions for Larry here, and uh, we're we're looking forward to it. And for everybody else, you know, please keep entering. You know, we we want to get a bunch of names here and. And like we said, have this sort of be interactive. That's what's up, Fitz. We'll see you next week. Uh, you heard it there, folks. So again, um, write a review on iTunes, send us a screenshot, and, uh, and tell a friend. This was Believe in Wizards. I'm Matt. He's Larry. And guys, we will talk to you all next week with Fitz. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.